Welcome to Capital City this morning. Thank you for everybody who's connecting with us online. Glad you're here. If you're new to Capital City and want to find more information about us, somewhere around you, you'll see one of these cards. It's kind of brown on the top. It says connect. And if you'll just give us a little information, drop it off on any one of these worship stations or give it to one of the guest services people and we'll get you whatever information that you want about Capital City Christian Church. Now, what we're going to do here this morning is we're going to sing a few songs together. We're going to talk a little bit about God. We're going to watch a, sh a few videos together. Uh, we're going to do a little praying. It's going to take about 65 minutes. It's not just about being in church. It's about being in the presence of God. And we really hope this morning that you will feel his presence. We hope that he'll feel, you'll feel a nudge from him. And one of the things we collect here for is... Uh, that we really think that we come into the presence of God together and he's got this amazing power to change us. He nudges us and changes us and we hope you feel that today. Before we get going, I'm just going to make a couple of announcements very, very quickly. Uh, we've got uh, kind of a, a gathering of anybody who is either kind of a boomer or perhaps retired. They get together um, occasionally, about once a month. <clears throat> this Thursday, they're going to meet. It's our Oasis group. They're going to eat a meal together at about noon. And then they're just going to play games. Bring your favorite games, and you might get some other people to tempt into a game with you. That's going to go from 12 to 3 this, uh, this Thursday. And then uh, a little later after that, we're going to have this uh, women's ministry spring retreat, Grace and Guts featuring Shannon Perry. That's going to be really, really cool. We're bringing in the speaker from some distance away. She's got quite the reputation. She'll be here on April 20 the 3rd. It's going to be from 7 o'clock till 9, and then also the next day from 9.30 to 2.30. Ladies, you need to sign up for that. It could be really, really cool. If you go to capcity.info, sign up, or just contact the church, and we'll make sure that you get signed up for that. And one other thing, just to be aware of, this is really important. We're starting a new program here at, at Capital City. It's, it's called Celebrate Recovery. This is huge. Uh, a lot of people, I mean, you have some, some addiction or you've got just some behavior that's got its roots in, deep inside of you and you can't shake it. And it's getting in the way of your relationships. It's getting in the way of your relationship with God. And you're not able to fight it successfully on your own. Celebrate Recovery is one of these programs that is Christ-based where we just kind of help each other get past some of those behaviors, some of those addictions that are holding us back. It's, and it's, it's not just for alcohol and drugs, any kind of an addiction. You know, they talk about people who are addicted to anger or eating disorders or addicted to food or they've got love relationships that they just can't shake and you know that are destructive, physical abuse, sex addictions, porn, gambling addictions, any kind of a behavior that just has taken root in you. Brian, if you stand up over there, kind of come over here where there's a little bit of light on you if you can. This is Brian Pelletier. He's been with Celebrate Recovery for some time. He's part of our church family now. <clears throat> He's going to be holding an informational meeting on the 8th of April. Is that correct? 8th of April. You'll be seeing more about that, but you need to talk to Brian, or if you need to connect with him, contact me, contact the church, talk to him. I know that first step is just having the willingness to say, I've got an issue and I'm having a hard time getting past it. And you've got a lot of people who are in exactly the same place, and we've got a plan to help you get through some of those things that have got their hooks in you. And so, see Brian, talk to me, uh, connect with our Celebrate Recovery. Okay? Let's uh, bow our heads and pray together. Father, for uh, your presence, we give you thanks. That's your promise. 
And now we pray that as we study your word together, that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. And I pray that each of us will be receptive to the nudges of your spirit, because he's here. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Okay. Two words. I will. Or if you want to say it more formally, I shall. Two words that are just absolutely pregnant with meaning. Determination, grit, resolve. Persistence if necessary. Tenacity, doggedness. I will. Hope, confidence, expectation. I will. Liam Neeson in in Taken. Remember that movie? If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you, and I will find you, and I will kill you. Remember that movie? Hawkeye and the last of the Mohicans. You survive. You stay alive no matter how long it takes, no matter how far. I will find you. I will find you. Douglas MacArthur. Telling the Filipinos, I shall return. Any of you old guys remember that? I shall return. And he did. Arnold, he says it in a lot of his movies. I will be back. I'll be back. Right? And you can bet on it, he will be back. Maximus to Commodus, I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Maybe you've said something like this, I will fight for you, I will never leave you, I can and I will. Have you ever said those words? I will, and then you didn't. I will fight for you, and you didn't. I will love you till death, and you didn't. I'll never leave you, and you did. I will get it done, and then you didn't. How human of you. Maybe you just discovered it felt too hard, or maybe you think that what you vowed earlier was just foolish, or maybe you've changed, or your goals have changed, your dreams have changed, and now you're like, I won't. I won't. Aren't you glad God isn't like that? What if he was? What if Jesus decided at some point, I won't? We'd be hosed, wouldn't we? And Jesus had every reason to say, I won't. He could have said, I won't, any number of times, so many times. And the outcome every one of those times would have been, we'd be hosed. In fact, he could have nipped it all in the bud before this mess ever started. You see, before God created any of us, he knew what would happen if he gave us this gift of freedom. He knew what we would do with that freedom, and he knew what our freedom would cost him. Listen, guys, it did not happen this way. This is just a what if. But what if? It is good. Almost finished. Yes. Let us finally make man. But let us make him in our image, not like the animals. And let us give these humans free will. But if they're free to be good, then they will be free to be bad. Free will makes evil possible. Yes, but free will is the only thing that makes possible any love or joy or goodness worth having. I have a plan when they turn. 
the Father says. I have a plan, and he did. Because God knew what we would do with our freedom. He made us free anyway. He thought it'd be worth it. And he knew what his plan would cost him. He knew we would fall. He knew that we would not be able to fix the mess that we would make. He knew that we would need a Savior. And God knew what it would cost the Savior. But what if the Savior said, no, I won't. And what if God went ahead and gave us that freedom anyway, and he creates us with this incredible potential for both good and evil, and then he sets us adrift in a world where Satan is free to nudge us towards evil with no hope of a savior? How awful would that be, knowing that you're a mess, knowing you can't fix your mess, knowing that you are without hope? And how quickly we did abuse our freedom, right? Eve and then Adam in the garden choosing against God, then Cain killing his brother, choosing against God. By chapter 6 of our story, it says this, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything we thought, everything we imagined was consistently and totally evil. So God was sorry he'd ever made us, placed us on the earth. We broke his heart. That leads directly to the story of Noah. Even the flood didn't fix our brokenness. Five chapters later, we were building the Tower of Babel, again choosing against God. And the sun, he knew we would fall. He knew that we would not be able to fix the mess we were about to make. He knew that we would need a Savior. And he knew what it would cost him to be our Savior. Before it ever started, Jesus could have said, No, I won't. But he didn't. Have you ever quit before it ever started? You know what's coming and you know what it's going to cost you and you say no. Just not going to go there. A lot of people are like that with Jesus, aren't they? You know what it's going to require. You know what it's going to cost. You might even suspect that eventually it'll be worth it, but you, for some reason, are like, no, I won't go there. You don't try. Well, sometimes saying I won't is really smart. Sometimes saying I won't is not really smart. Anyway, the father went ahead and put his plan in place, and the son was in. But what if later, what if later the son had second thoughts? He watched everything that he had predicted take place, just as he knew it would, and the humiliation and the pain of the fix. What if the son just says, no, I won't go? It's time, son. We've been silent long enough. Time for me to go down to this broken, fallen world? Yes. To become human. To become a fetus in the womb of this young girl. Yes. To become human. To be born. And to grow up to go through everything that they go through. It's the only way, son. Because you have made it so. 
I have to leave all of this. Perfection. To walk in the dust and the dirt. Yes. And to be tempted in every way. See guys, sometimes quitting is the right thing to do. If you know that what you're doing is wrong, self-destructive, you know that what you're doing is hurting people, then quitting is the right thing to do. There's a lot of us that need to do some quitting. But sometimes quitting is the wrong thing to do if you're trying to quit the right thing. Have you ever quit doing the right thing for whatever stupid reason? Well, God launched his plan, this plan to fix his broken children. It was the right thing to do. You see, he had made a promise to a guy named Abraham. He says, through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's the start of his plan. Basically, they understood, they reiterated, a Messiah is coming. Savior's coming. A Christ is coming. No matter how messy things get, the Messiah is coming. And that gave them hope. And God started working out the plan. He reiterates the promise to Isaac and to Jacob, who were the descendants of Abraham. He protects the promise through Joseph. He keeps the hope alive through guys like Moses down in Egypt, taking the people out through men like Joshua as they recaptured the land and Samuel and King David. He uses prophets like Elijah and Elisha Isaiah, Jeremiah, to remind his people, to keep reminding his people, a Savior is coming, the Messiah is coming, a Christ. Now what if when the time came, Jesus said, no. You want me to give up all of this? You want me to give up this perfection of heaven and become like one of them? You want me to become a fetus and actually pass through the birth canal of a frightened teenager? You want me to grow up like they do, to go everything they go through, to be tempted by evil like they are? More than that, you want me to feel the kind of pain and suffering that they do? You want me to die like they do? And even more than that, you want me to take all of their suffering and pain and sin on my shoulders when I die? What if Jesus said, no, I won't? Can you imagine what a mess this place would be if Jesus had said, no, I won't? I mean, we can say the words, we can read the words, but we have a hard time understanding the immensity of what they mean. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, though Jesus was God, he didn't think of equality with God, the perfection of heaven, as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. We can't even imagine what those were. He gave him up. He took the humble position of a slave compared to us. And he was born as a human being like us. And when he appeared in human form, he actually humbled himself in obedience to God so far that he actually died a criminal's death on a cross. Guys, and if you can read that and not feel the immensity of those, then you don't get it. He didn't have to. Jesus didn't have to. What if Jesus had changed his mind and said, I won't? What if this story builds to a climax and the hero says, I won't? There is no Savior. There is no Messiah. The Messiah misses his cue. 
It's worse than that. He doesn't miss the cue. He just decides not to take the stage. The cost is too great. Can you imagine what would have happened next? The world would have continued to spiral out of control, but this time without hope. Powerful would have continued to dominate and use and abuse those who were weaker, and the weaker would have no hope. Spiritual forces in this world that are working right now to drag you away from God would continue their work unchallenged. Maybe you're wise enough to recognize your own unworthiness, your own sin. Maybe you're also smart enough to understand that you can't fix it. If Jesus had said, I won't, then there's no hope coming. You're a host. The hope you had in a God, the hope you had in a Savior, a Messiah, a Christ, not there. A God who can't be trusted. A God who's either powerless or faithless. I don't care what they tell you out there, guys. Without God, good cannot win. Cannot win. Without God, we're host. But Jesus didn't say, I won't. Though he was God. Though Jesus actually was God, he didn't think of his equality with God as something he had to hang on to. Instead, he gave them up those divine privileges, privileges we can't even begin to imagine. He took the position of a slave compared to God. He was born as a human. That's called the kenosis, the self-emptying. It really did happen. And when Jesus appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and actually died a criminal's death on a cross for us in our place. Are you grateful? Are you? I hope so. In fact, we're going to press pause here for just a few minutes, and we're just going to settle in and give him thanks. That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to do that by sharing the Lord's Supper together. Did you know that sometimes the Lord's Supper is called the Eucharist? You know what that means? It's from a Greek word, eucharisteo, which basically means to give thanks, return thanks. And every time we share the Lord's Supper together, we're giving thanks to God. We're telling God, we're telling Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Now, if you don't have the communion elements that are around the room, just kind of step forward or just step back and grab one of these. And let me read you a little bit about what Jesus said one time. It's so important. Jesus said, I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. He said, anyone who eats this bread, anyone who eats this bread is going to live forever. That's our hope. This bread which I offer the world is my flesh. And then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you won't have eternal life inside of you. But anyone who eats this flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will, I will raise that person on the last day. And he will. So let's give him thanks. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, for your willingness, first of all, to give us that freedom, we give you thanks. For your willingness to fix the mess we made. When we abuse that freedom, we give you thanks.
for your willingness to bear our sins on that cross. We give you thanks. Thank you for being our hope. Thank you for the eternal life that you promise us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Now take a few minutes to eat the bread and it represents the body of Christ and drink the cup which represents the blood of Christ which he shed on the cross for us.
great song, isn't it? So, sometimes quitting is the right thing, right? You know that what you're doing is wrong, you know that what you're doing is self-destructive, you're hurting people, you're hurting yourself. Quitting is the right thing to do sometimes. Sometimes we need help quitting. That's what our Celebrate Recovery is for. Now, I don't know what you're doing, what kind of a destructive behavior has got its hooks inside of you, but Maybe you've tried to quit on your own and you haven't been able to do it yet. You need to try this out. You need to give it a shot. Find some freedom. Again, you know, find Brian, talk to him. If you can't find him, call me. Talk to the church office. We're going to have this informational meeting coming up on the 8th. You need to give it a shot. Quitting the wrong thing is always right. Quitting the right thing, for whatever reason, is wrong. Fortunately, Jesus didn't quit. He went forward with God's plan. He, he did give up his divine privileges, thank God. He did become one of us, thank God. And he did start down that path towards the cross. What you may not realize is that Jesus could have stepped off that path at any time. Jesus was free too. And there was a part of him, that human part, that was inclined to step off that path. There were plenty of men who would try to tempt him to step off that path. There were spiritual forces, powerful spiritual forces that would tempt him to step off that path. In fact, Satan would come against Jesus with a ferocity that you have never experienced. You've been tempted, but you have never been tempted to the fullest. Do you know why? Because every one of us, every one of us in the face of temptation at some point, we've quit. We've given in. Jesus faced temptation to the fullest, more powerful than we can imagine. What if he had given in? He didn't, but he could have, you know. He was free to. What if Jesus said, I will to temptation and I won't to God? Who do 
you think you are? Oh, that's right. The Son of God. Well, if you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become a loaf of bread. The scripture says, the man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from his mouth. Even the words that sent you here, that did all of this to you. You don't have to die, Jesus. Isn't that why your father sent you? You don't have to die. Just jump off of here. Let them see. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Yes. But the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. I see. What about all the kingdoms of the world? They are mine, and I can give them all to you. If only you will bow down and worship me. I won't. The scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. you really are the son of God, Jesus, you don't have to do it this humiliating and excruciatingly painful way, Jesus. If you really are the son of God, Jesus, you don't have to die, Jesus. You can say I won't, can't you, Jesus? In fact, I'll give you everything that you came for. I'll give them back to you for way less than your father has planned out for you. He's your dad, but you can tell him no, can't you, Jesus? Jesus could have. Jesus could have changed his mind at any point. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had changed his mind? What would it have meant for God himself, for God the Son to push back against God the Father like we human sons, sons tend to push back against our human fathers all the time? Or like we human sons and daughters push back against our heavenly Father like we do all the time. And Jesus was part human too, wasn't he? He could have pushed back like we do. He faced every single temptation that we face. He did. And what would it have meant for Satan, the prince of the world, if Jesus had given into him his temptation? And what would it be like for Satan to have been given free reign to be permitted to wreak the destruction that he revels in without resistance from God. What would have meant for us if Jesus had given in to this temptation, if he had told his father, I won't? Can you imagine living in a world where sin is unopposed, unchallenged, unimpeded, unrestrained, living a hopeless life? Satan hates you because God loves you. And he hates whatever God's love, whatever God loves, and he has you. See, these temptations were real. His were more powerful than we can understand, and Jesus could have given in. He was free to tell God, I won't. You felt some of that. You felt the incredible power of temptation, and all of us have given in repeatedly. I have. 
You've been faced with a decision that looks like this. You can do it God's way and it looks painful or you can do it your way and it looks far easier. And every time we sin, we're saying, I'm going to take my way and I'm not going to take your way, God. We think our way's better. It's not. But Jesus won his battles with temptation, not just once, but over and over and over again. He kept trusting his father even when trusting dad was hard. He kept doing his father's work even when we were suspicious and stubborn and ungrateful. He shows this incredible courage. He knows the pain that's coming. He knows exactly when and how he's going to die. He knew that the physical pain that he would go through was little compared to the incredible weight of the sins that he would bear on the cross. Well, what if at the very last minute, right when the rubber's supposed to hit the road, what if Jesus had said at that moment, no, I won't. My soul is crushed to the point of death. Father, I won't. The pain, the betrayal, the whips, the nails, the cross. I don't want their suffering. I don't want to take on their sin. Father, please. All things are possible through you. Let this cup of suffering pass from me. You think that what happened in the garden was just a game? The Gospel of Mark says that Jesus was deeply troubled and distressed. Very, very strong words. Jesus says, my soul is crushed with grief so hard that I want to die. Luke tells us that the pressure was so intense that the capillaries on his face began to burst. They began to sweat blood. And the son begins to beg his dad, Papa, Abba, Daddy, please, you can get me out of this, can't you? You can take this cup away from me, can't you? Please. Three times he prays the same thing. Father, I don't want to do this. I don't want the betrayal. I don't want the shame. I don't want the pain, the whips, the cross. I don't want to bear their sin. There's got to be another way, God. You're God. Can you imagine what would have happened had he ended that prayer? No, I won't. Could have. Again, what it would have meant for God, I don't know. For the son to tell the father, I won't go. Could have. I can't imagine what it would have meant for us. It would mean we're on our own now, guys. You're a sinner. You pay for your sins. Save yourself if you can. Good luck with that. No Holy Spirit to convict you of your sin. No Holy Spirit to give you the strength to latch on to God and give you some victory. 
not only are you on your own to figure out your own path in this world with this tiny little brains that he gave us, no realistic path for perfect eternal life, the life we were made for, no hope of resurrection to life, no hope of heaven, because we believe he really is the only way and the only truth and the only life. No one's going to get to the Father without going through him. But it didn't go that way. Instead, Jesus uttered the words that made all the difference in the world for the Father, for the Son, for you and me. He says, not what I want, God, not what I will, but what you will, what you want, let that be done. My answer, God, is not I won't. My answer was, is I will. I will. I surrender. I submit. Jesus said, I will take up my cross. I will deny myself. I'll take up my cross and I will follow you. It took trust. It took courage. It took submission. So we have hope. This is where the rubber hits the road. Because Jesus said, I will to the Father, that means that every one of us has the ability right here, right now, to say, I will to Jesus. Listen, the decision that you make here matters forever. You're going to find that out someday. So the question is, will you? Will you? If you haven't made the decision to be a Jesus follower before, will you? You make that call right here, right now. You can. Some of you have never started down that path. It's the right thing to do. It's time. Some of you guys are in the middle of temptation right now. You're tempted to drift. You've made that decision and you're drifting away. You need his strength to win that battle. You're prone to wander. All of us are. You need to be asking for his wisdom and his strength. Some of us old guys are nearing the end of this chapter of our life. Others of you might be closer than you think. Someday we're all going to stand in front of Jesus. Is he going to recognize us as Jesus' followers? Pretty much means it's time to fish or cut bait, doesn't it? So if you don't mind, close your eyes and bow your head and don't peek. Please don't peek. If you're a Jesus follower right now, you are. Raise your hand, please. Leave it up for a moment. Don't look around. Thank you, guys. Now listen carefully. If you are not a Jesus follower and want to be, please raise your hand. Keep it up for a moment. Don't look around. I suspect you feel the Spirit of God nudging you. Thank you. Father, for the gift of Jesus, we give you thanks. Jesus, for the path you walked for us, thank you. You can raise your heads if you want, open your eyes. Guys, if you are a Jesus follower and you raised your hand a moment ago, will you please talk to us? Will you please? You've already taken the first step. You've acknowledged it. You've acknowledged it to God. Don't quit there. Don't stop there. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. You can slip back to that prayer room back there during that song. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Just slip out. There'll be a couple of us down front. Come and talk to us. 
Andy, I'm going to ask you to go over there in a minute and just kind of set up there. I'll sit over on this side. Just talk to one of us. Andy's one of our elders. Or just hang around at the end of the service and let's talk for a couple of minutes. You need to get started on the greatest journey ever. Don't put it off. Will you? Let's stand in this song, sing this song together. Mm-hmm.